Hi, and welcome to episode four of DisabilityIreland.com's new podcast. I want to start by thanking you all for the amazing responses and interest from our previous episodes. So keep your feedback and suggestions coming. We really do appreciate it. So let's get on with this week's show. On to this week's guest, Sinead Keane. She is one of our Twitter followers who's got in contact with us and after swapping a number of messages has agreed to come on and talk about her Asperger's. So welcome, Sinead. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem, Sinead. Uh, Sinead, I'll start off with giving what I believe is the definition of Asperger's and then yeah. you can perhaps give your your understanding living with it, yeah. uh, what it is. So my understanding of it is that it is a high functional form of autism spectrum mm-hmm. disorder and affects the way a person understands other people, talks and acts with other people. And I suppose how a person makes sense of the world. Yeah. Would that be a true reflection yeah, or, or do you be, find it? I, I'd say the problem you, you have is when you go into, well, for me anyway, when you go into sort of new situations, social situations, you find it very hard to sort of pick up on other people's cues. And you also, you, you sort of, you think the worst mm-hmm. and you sort of see things that other people mightn't be stressed out about. Like, that's right, what okay. I think. And that's me. That's how it affects me personally. Okay. And what, what age did you realize perhaps that for the want of a better word, you were a little bit different to your fellow friends or classmates? Well, when I went to um, secondary school, at about 12, I found the the transfer from a very, like I was in a very small local primary school to a very big secondary school. Right. I found it really, really difficult, okay. really difficult. And I, I, it just, it was like an, an alien concept to me and being in such around so many people and not being in the same classroom for all day and having to go you know for English in one place and geography in another place and I really I started to like I think I gave my parents hell like I I really acted up really really badly and I think there was a thing like what's wrong like what's happened you know and I then my my dad died very suddenly and I think then it was put down to well your dad has died you're you're very very depressed because it wasn't expected mm-hmm. and i was i was very late i i was we finally pay we had to pay for it which many people do pay for a private assessment my mom did because there's the waiting list are like still like so long like nearly over 10 years later are so long and i was diagnosed then that i was 15 Okay. And what, what exactly is the diagnosis? How do they determine that you have have this? I did an educational assessment with a private psychologist because I was I was I was uh, forwarded by my GP to the the public, but I think there was a wait list of something like it was over a year. Right, okay. Yeah. And so, we had to go private. Okay. And I was diagnosed that way. Okay. Which in a way was relief to me. But I think like ten years ago, like I think it, it was still like even autism, it wasn't really talked about at no. all. And of of course, there's some very high profile profile people in the world that yeah. have a form of 
form of this. I think Anthony Hopkins has it. Susan Boyle, yeah. of course, the the one in the news recently, Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old Swedish environmental environmental activist who was at the yeah. recent UN summit. So, would Greta Thunberg would that be? You think a, a good summary of what somebody is like, I guess, with Asperger's or? To me, for me, she would be, but I okay. think the like the the barrage of negativity that she gets from people has a lot to do with her diagnosis, mm-hmm. and it's put down to well, she has Asperger's, therefore she she doesn't see anything else in the world. What what else goes around? She's a one track mind, mm-hmm. which I I disagree with. But I think she's a great role model. Like I would have loved to have her as somebody when I was 16 to look up to yeah, and yeah. It, is, it is obviously quite a I guess a, maybe a surprisingly um, high amount I reckon there's what 37 point 30 37 and a half million people in a recent yeah. 2015 survey had it and in Ireland I believe it's one in 65 people who suffer it's from very high yeah it is I guess it is a it's a syndrome that we've all heard of but Yes, the public as lar- at large don't really understand. So yeah. hopefully from yourself, Junaid, this will be a, an education for everybody, yeah. including myself. Um, so going back to your school experience, you went from a small village or a small town to the, the big school. Um, yeah. Like when you moved to the big school, was there some friends came with you or was that large brother? large part of the problem that you didn't have that small network of friends there was that a few you had a primary? that transferred from primary to the secondary school but i think i think there was only like about 150 people in our primary school right. everybody knew each other like even <laughs> all the teachers and like the principal knew you by first name like mm-hmm. the principal used to stand by the door every morning when everybody came in and then you went to this like vast place Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was like, I think I was, I was only just 12 when I went. And I think my mum and dad thought, well, maybe she's too young. We should have, like, she should have, st- she should have gone in at 13. That mm-hmm. was that. But I, do, I don't think it was. I think it was like, as I've read now about Asperger's, I think it was the onset of puberty, which is when most people, the symptoms start to, to show themselves, I think. I think that's that's what happened, and I think the sort of the the change of the school was sort of a a catalyst for it to 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 show itself more than it would have if I was in a smaller okay secondary okay um so I guess if you had to get the the bus in the morning to go to the the bigger school the secondary school like would that have been a a time of stress for yourself or what what did you yeah, find think, was the most stressful element of school? I think the mornings when I before I I used to go to school, like, like I think back at it now, and I think like it must have been like hell for my parents because I'd say I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I'm not going. Like I remember, I remember we were driving down. My mom was driving me to school down this really busy road, and I remember I physically tried to get out of the car because right. I didn't want to go, and I. Consciously, I didn't realise there was a risk of traffic coming. I could get killed. I could kill my, the, the mom could crash the car or mm. something. Like, 
it was just a dread and a fear like it was like it was like oh that's something like it's like there was like the bogeyman at the end of the bed or something and something bad was gonna happen and I couldn't really verbalize that what it was so my understanding as well that you, you people who have it um have particular rituals or obsessions and um, would this be something that you would would have yourself i'd be very like oh i'd i'd be very ocd with sort of things like i'd have to have i'd have to have things you know everything would have to be even and everything would have to be in a certain way and i'd have to like like if i get dressed in the morning i have to dress in a certain way if right. i don't get dressed in a certain way i'd think something like disastrously bad is going to happen and would this as the the rituals or the obsessions as this developed over developed over time or have you outgrew some of these and replaced them with new rituals or new obsessions I think I've been very lucky that I've I've a very good psychiatrist that I've been with for a number of years who I can talk to about things Mm -hmm. and sort of I've like five years ago, I would five five six years ago, I would have taken things very to extreme. Like I I sometimes I'd be afraid like to go outside the house because I thought think something bad would happen, and okay. I just I there'd be this overwhelming fear of dread, which I think with the support network that I have. Has, has has made things diminish like over the past five years a, a great a great deal mm-hmm. okay and just going back to the the rituals obsessions you know as opposed to the 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 negative connotations about it um yeah. has there been any benefits that you have found from it i don't know, perhaps in study very focused or yeah i think i'd be very like i i'd be very i'd be very good at certain things like if i if if I want to do something, like I'd be very good at history and English. Okay. I do it. Like I did very well in them because like I'd say, well, I want to do this and I'll do it, and you're like determined to do it. <laughs> okay. I think that's a good thing, like to have determination. Yeah. If it's something is is good, you know, it doesn't make you waver from things. No, no, it sounds, yeah, <laughs> it could be beneficial at times for sure. Yeah. Um. So as well as rituals, um, my understanding is there's also usually a sensitivity to light or sound. Do you have yeah. any of these? Mine would be sound. I hate loud noises, like Halloween there last week. I hate like the fireworks and stuff. Okay. It's just like, it's, 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 it's like something is about to burst in your head. It's a very, it's, I know it, to other people, it probably sounds, oh my God, like she's a bit, but it, it just, it's it's like your head is about to explode. If they, if they hear loud bangs or things like that. Okay. And then what about going to a disco or into a pub? How is that? How, I would, how... I'd never go into places like, I'd never go into, say like now, you know, Christmas shopping in town. I'd never, I'd never go in at peak hours okay. because it would be, it'd be like a sensory overload in a way. Because mm-hmm. you have everybody around you, and like it's just for me, it's it's all it's always too much. Okay, so you just feel stressed out by the whole yeah. environment. Okay, and then as well as emotionally, what would you say are the most common misconceptions about someone with it? Um, like, I guess, can you 
in relation to language um, that can you understand or emphasize or understand what people are saying if they're talking emotionally or reading body language that type of thing to me i'd be i think i'd be very bad at body language picking up on you know normal cues of people that's what that's what i'd be very bad at okay and i think that is quite a a common a common symptom of it with with everybody and so we discussed about you know kind of being out in town or perhaps the the school bus parties would that be more in a family setting you would be quite okay with or if you i'd be great yeah it'd be great in family settings with people i know like and people i trust you know that's what that's personally where i'd be more comfortable with i wouldn't be going into like somewhere where i wouldn't know anybody i'd be petrified all right okay so in relation to the communication obviously doing the podcast here um yeah. this is just is it because it's in a one-to-one situation that you seem to be quite okay or stress-free or is this or are you hiding it very well i think it's probably a good degree like you do you do tend to hide it as you get older you do tend to hide it well you do learn how to hide things you sort of have it you know, a poker face, like you, yeah, uh-huh. you, you look one way, which you probably feel, you know, deep down, you feel a, a different way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, okay. And then in relation to, in fact, wanting to get personal um, kind of relationships, have you found that a struggle or, or not I think, really? I think, again, it's, it's the trust thing, like, you find it very hard. And then, like, you think to yourself, like, if somebody, like, picks up on something, and they say, well, that doesn't seem, doesn't think right. You know, sit right with them. And then mm. you have to go into like a huge explanation. Well, I was diagnosed with such and such a thing. And yeah, I think it's a, it's a degree of fear. Okay. So what would you say is the most important advice as someone who has it um, for our listeners? And how how best could we put yourself for example at ease or what you know kind of what would be one of the reasons why you've come on to the podcast today just to kind of promote or to discuss Daspergers? I think people have to realize that people with Asperger's they're the same as everybody else they have the same problems they have the same feelings they just probably see the world in a slightly different way than other people do, which I I think is a good thing because I don't think we should all be necessarily <laughs> the exact same as each other. Yeah. I think there has to be a degree of... I think as, if I was younger and I knew that it would get better as I get older, that would help me. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, like, I thought, like, I got, when I was, like, 15, I thought, Christ, like, is this going to be, like, a forever, like, if you have, and if you manage, and if you have the right support systems, if you're, I was very lucky that my mom fought for me, fought for me to get the services I needed, and I, I don't think it should be the struggle that it is for people, mm-hmm. but if you have people on your side, I do think it can help. Okay. And I think people just need to be more cognizant of the fact that 
you know, people in Rashford are the same as everybody else. Yeah, I totally agree. So just going back to the, I guess the, the treatment. Um, I don't, I don't think there is a, there's no, there's no cure or magic cure, no. is there? Um, no. And so it is a life, a lifelong condition. Con- yeah, I was gonna say, well, how do you describe it? Is it a condition? Is it a syndrome? It's certainly not a disease, but yeah, it's a condition. Yeah. Yeah, I so, call it a condition. Okay, so it is. There's no like. Do you take any medicines, or is it all just talking to your psychologist and just being close to your your friends and a family? lot of it is talking therapies and as I said uh, a lot of people with Asperger's will have a mental health component to it I take antidepressants okay like, like loads of people do that's the only medication that I take yeah and in our one of our previous podcasts um yeah we had a lady on who Teresa Cahill, who was a comedian, mm. and yeah, she um, was disabled later in life, and yeah, she had the same stuff. She's on various different um, depression tablets or whatever. So yeah, you know, it's not, it's certainly not a, it's a, it's a more common, a common thing in society, and I guess I think our understanding is gradually getting a lot better. Yeah. Um, how would how do people get in contact with yourself? Um, I think my tw- my Twitter handle. I think it's at Sinead Keane. If they yeah, if they it, want to, they can. Or is, or is it Anya Sinead? I'm not oh, sure. Anya Sinead, sorry, <laughs> which I know about my my Twitter. <laughs> so, uh, Sinead, thank you very much. Um, considering everything we've talked about, I want to give you my deep thanks for coming on and. I guess being so brave and coming on and talking about your condition. Um, so, folks, there we have it. Another episode comes to an end. And again, thanks very much to Sinead for coming on. And hopefully, she has um, give us a give you all a better understanding of what it is to have Asperger's. And to you all again next week. Bye bye.